everyday injustice. Too many wrongful convictions, corruption has infected the criminal justice system. Leaving too many people helpless, fighting for their lives instead of receiving justice, people suffer. Is that why they say justice is blind? Hello and welcome to the Everyday Injustice Podcast. I'm your host, David Greenwald. For the past 10 years, we have operated Vanguard Court Watches in California, including San Francisco, Sacramento, and Yolo counties. Our goal? Expose everyday court injustices, and now, more broadly, shine a spotlight on injustices in the entire criminal justice system, in the form of wrongful convictions, police and prosecutorial misconduct, and mass incarceration. This podcast hopes to take it a step further and highlight criminal justice reform on a national level. Everyday injustice. So today on Everyday Injustice, uh, we are joined by a whole host of former and one current intern. Um, So, um, you know, one of the interesting things, uh, although we have all UC Davis students, uh, which is really interesting because uh, over the last two years, we've really gotten to the point where we are completely spread around everywhere from UCLA to Berkeley, San Francisco, and UC Davis. But we'll, we'll start here with Lynchy, who actually just started law school at UCLA. Um, so uh, Lynchy, um, Tell us a little bit about your experience as an intern and and what it's been like to transition to law school. Yeah, so hello everyone. Um, Like David said, my name is Lynchy. I'm currently a 1L at UCLA Law and I interned for the Vanguard for almost a year between 2020 and 2021. Um, And that was a really cool opportunity for me because I've always been interested in criminal law. And by getting to monitor actual live cases, I got to see what the courtroom dynamic is like, but most importantly, how defendants are treated in court. Um, And I feel like you get to see a lot of the misunderstanding that takes place, a lot of how some, sometimes there's poor representation or uh, way harsher sentences for minor crimes. Um, and right now I'm taking criminal law in my first semester and we are touching certain aspects of that, such as, um, you know, harsh punishments for misdemeanors, um, how, uh, uh, mass incarceration is created. And I think it's really cool getting to, before I even started law school, I already got to be exposed to these certain injustices that I got to see in person. Um, and a lot of it really motivated me to be more involved in criminal justice related activities. Um, and then now that I'm in law school, I'm involved in projects where I could, you know, explore more about how incarcerated people are treated either in the courtroom or in prisons um, and try to be more involved now that I got that exposure and experience from the Vanguard. Um, And Alex, you're the current intern at this point, uh, although when she, uh, 
or Lynn still uh, does some work uh, with us, especially with the UC Davis uh, program. But what's your experience been like? Uh, hi, my name is Alexander Ramirez. Like um, David said, I'm currently a fourth year poli-sci major at UC Davis. So I'm going to my last year here. Um, well, my experience at the Vanguard has been interesting because I, I joined around the beginning of uh, 2021, around January, that was my third year, and a lot ha of change has come to the Vanguard. I think David can attest to that. There was at one point like 70 people in a meeting, uh, our weekly Monday meetings. So the Vanguard kind of had to change with that. I know we added different uh, like divisions, like we have Yolo County, Alameda County, right, as opposed to before when everyone was just checking into one single group chat we couldn't do that anymore just because of the large amount of people we had but other than you know the heavy amount of change i've seen it's been interesting you know uh beforehand i thought court was much more theatrical i guess like how you see in the movies where it's like oh, objection overruled right but it's not like that it's a lot more tame there's a lot more time that goes into d different cases like it's not unusual for someone to be called up and all they do is assign a public defender and then they say oh we'll put this up for three weeks so i think it was kind of a huge shock to me to see how different the court system was um, of course there's also writing articles that's really fun that's also helping me improve my writing overall i think the vanguard has been like one of the most valuable things i've done in my time in college so i really appreciate them giving me the opportunity to join and do all of this. And Lynn and Julietta, you you guys are kind of, um, you know, the holdovers from our old school um, in that uh, you guys were actually part of the internship program uh, when we were still meeting in person and still going to court in person. And then uh, you continued through um, the shutdown and kind of a big transition. What's that been like? Um, yeah, um, so my name is Julieta. Um, um, I joined the Vanguard um, beginning of 2020 in January when it was still in person. And it's been really interesting to see how much it's changed um, uh, going from going to court in person to having to watch the live stream online. It's been a really interesting experience and seeing how the courts had to adapt to um, the pandemic. Um, but like Lynchy and Alex already mentioned, um, the Vanguard has definitely been a really amazing opportunity for me as a journalism student wanting to um, cover specifically um, the criminal justice system. I think I've definitely learned a lot through this opportunity. And even though I'm not going into law or anything, um, it's definitely informed my reporting and how I approach um, these different systems. And Lynn? Hi, I'm Lynn. Um, I also um, started my internship with the Vanguard in January of 2020 when we were going into um, in-person court. Um, I miss that aspect a lot of the Vanguard, but um, I enjoyed going to court. I enjoyed seeing um, the actual dynamics of everybody being in the courtroom at the same time and calling up 
witnesses and um, attorneys and seeing how different cases move around. Um, and then March happened and then we couldn't do that anymore. So the change between going to in-person court to doing court over Zoom was interesting. Um, it was difficult to adjust, but um, it was also very, it was an interesting trans transformational period for me when I had to adjust how I would take notes and how I would write my articles. But it, the past almost two years that I've been with the Vanguard um, have been very valuable to me. Yeah, it's, you know, there are trade-offs in everything. Um, and so, you know, I miss going to court uh, in person and being able to, you know, watch uh, from that uh, vantage point. On the other hand, you know, we, we get the dynamic of, hey, I'm checking out of Sacramento Department 63 and I'm going into Fresno Department 9. Um, and, and which you could never do before because that's like a four hour drive. Um, so, so there are advantages. Um, and we learned, you know, pretty quickly, I think that, hey, uh, we can actually organize and coordinate all these interns all over the state uh, over Zoom, uh, which we never really thought we could do. Uh, we didn't really, or at least I didn't really uh, know about Zoom. Uh, prior to that. And now it's like, okay, we're probably not going to ever go back to the uh, situation where, where we're uh, only going to be meeting in the office and, uh, you know, people are going to have to drive up from LA to come, uh, you know, uh, go to our meetings. That, that, that's probably never going to happen again. Although it is interesting, like I was talking yesterday, uh, with the high school here, and we're probably going to have the high school students come into the office uh, once a week to meet. Uh, so, so you know, kind of a hybrid program, I think. Um, so, uh, one of the questions, I guess, is you know, and I think some of you already touched on this, but what was kind of the biggest surprise um, watching court cases versus what you thought prior to the internship? Anyone can jump in. Uh, I mean, I guess I could start since I already touched on this um, in that first question you asked. Um, just to add on a bit to what I said previously, uh, I think people have this perception that court is a lot like it is in the movies where you have, you know, the defense and the prosecution and you have all these big moments where, you know, you, you see, well, like I mentioned previously, theatrics. But a lot of court isn't like that. Uh, for much of my shift, uh, they go through maybe like 15 cases and that's just because uh, they call the person in, they make sure they have their charges and name correctly, and then they assign the public defender. Sometimes you have other things where they read a statement of facts. Sometimes they're just pleading to a no contest. But I think that's the biggest shock that came to me, that court is a lot faster and has a lot less of those big moments than I thought previously. You know, what, what surprised you, Lynchy? Yeah, I just wanted to add on to Alexander that um, I was also surprised how fast the courts usually take and how most of it 
happens in the pretrial motions rather than the actual trial. And um, you can really see how, you know, like the judge and all the attorneys are really trying to speed things through because they are just overloaded with cases every day. Um, and many of these people come in not really knowing what's going on because they're using very dense legal language. And even as interns, I think it took a while for me to kind of get used to the court language and understand what everyone's talking about. Like, what, what are these penal codes? Like, what are these sentence charges? Why are, you know, they talking in this format? Um, so I can't even imagine, you know, being a defendant in that position and having to absorb all of that. Um, and so, yeah, I just thought it was like a very unfamiliar space and a lot less, like Alexander said, a lot less dramatic than what you might see on TV shows. Um, and, you know, one of the things I think when you watch TV shows, but not just TV shows, like if you watch a, a, a trial, maybe on court TV or on CNN, you know, if it's a high profile trial, you know, the focus on, uh, of the media is always, oh, trial, trial, trial. Trials are very rare in the, in the system that, you know, only like two to three percent and shrinking uh, of all cases go to trial. Um, so one of the points I always make to the interns is, yeah, if you're only covering trials, you're missing, you know, 98% of what's happening in the system, um, which I, I think most people don't realize because we're, we're just so focused, uh, you know, on, on the trial aspect. Uh, so, Julieta, what, uh, what was most surprising for you? Yeah, I think similarly to what Munchie um, and Alex said, um, the lack of trials was surprising. Um, I also expected there to be a lot more trials to witness. Um, so it was interesting to see how many cases were being dealt with in just, you know, like an afternoon or a morning period. Um, I used to think it'd be like one case would take an entire morning or something. But um, on a regular court day, it's not really like that. And also with the legal jargon, that's definitely something that I feel like in movies and TV, <clears throat> they use a diff different language to explain or so that, you know, average audience members can understand the proceedings a bit more. But when you're actually in court, they're using that jargon more. So it's another hurdle to overcome to really understand what's going on. And Lynn? I think what everyone was talking about, about how it's a lot different from it is in um, TV. Um, not just with the theatrics, but I think a lot of times in TV, like for me, I, I grew up watching a lot of Law and Order, but the prosecution is always portrayed to be the good guys um, in the media, whereas in real life, it's not always that case. You know, there's a lot of, um, like the podcast is called Everyday Injustices. There's a lot of injustices in the legal system, in the criminal uh, legal system that I didn't know about before. So it was interesting to see how those worked out when I started interning with the Vanguard. So since you brought it up I'll, and I'll start with you this time, I mean, what was kind of the most shocking thing you've seen? Most shocking thing I've seen. There were a lot of cases that I've heard that I did not expect to hear in real life because I'd I, I know that the stuff, it's horrible, but I know it happens in real life. I just never thought it would 
past me. There was um, a case where um, it, it was like an after school daycare teacher or something who was inappropriately texting a 12 year old or I don't remember how old she was, but she was a teenager and they had inappropriate rela relations with each other. And there was just a lot of evidence that was bring, being uh, brought up that were um, graphic and just not easy for me to watch as an intern because it wasn't something I expected to see that day or ever. Um, so that was one of the worst things I've seen in court. Julieta? Yeah, for me, um, I think I saw a lot of domestic violence cases and it was kind of shocking to see how many there were, you know, just in Yellow County, for instance. Um, and also it was kind of hard listening to some of the uh, um, witness testimonies and having them relive those experiences and going through the evidence. And also sometimes um, hearing their testimonies contradict like police testimonies for instance and it kind of becomes clear that they're trying to protect the defendant and whatnot so seeing that kind of play out was very interesting but also like surprising for me as an intern. Lynchy? Yeah so a specific um, event that I saw was there was um, a trial where a homeless woman was a victim to a robbery and assault and she went up and testified on stand and they um, showed the jury this recording of her when she called the police and she was crying and in tears um, but the defense attorney kind of discredited her by saying that she you know she was on drugs and she's homeless so maybe she was hallucinating the whole situation and despite the like the compelling evidence that she was probably telling the truth um the jury kind of came to a dead end and so they um acquitted the defendant and i think this was shocking to me because i think even um even going in like i had an idea that you know um like prosecutors are harsh and like there are a lot of individuals who are wrongfully incarcerated. I didn't expect to see victims would also be mistreated as well um, based on their socioeconomic situation. And so when I saw that, I couldn't stop thinking about it even after watching um, the live. And it really bothered me just because you know, for me, like just because she's homeless, I, I didn't think that she deserved to be discredited. Um, especially after going through such a horrific event such as that. Um, so yeah, that's something that I remember. Alex? That is a good question. Um, that's tough. I mean, just today I saw a few um, murder cases. Uh, one was gang related. Another one had uh, the defendant in possession of like a 45 caliber handgun. Um, I've seen a few I think I've seen one arson case where the defendant was setting matchsticks in like dry brush and she didn't notice that a huge fire has started. Of course, someone saw her. Um, she said she didn't mean for anyone to get hurt and I don't think anyone did. There's been a few pimping cases. That's a lot more common than I thought it was. Um, but I think the two that have stood out to me the most for different reasons. 
Uh, one is a domestic uh, violence dispute that ended with a standoff between uh, the defendant and the police outside of his home. Um, the defendant had his family in with them and he was threatening to kill them and himself. Um, eventually it got to the point where he just started crying and apologizing and he eventually gave himself up. Thankfully nothing happened. The other case that's on the up opposite side of that spectrum is um, a, a cockfighting ring. I remember I told you about this and that's just crazy because I didn't know that was a thing around here um, that like I, I'm from Mexico, so I know that that's sometimes a thing over there. But for it to be here, like in California, that just blew my mind. And not only that, but like the vernacular that the court used, like it was a count of cockfighting verbatim. That was that stuck out to me just because I thought it was super crazy. And I know I'm probably never going to see that again. But yeah, two opposite sides of the spectrum that you could see in court, I guess. Yeah, you you just you know one of the things I always tell the interns is you're you're leaving your college bubble and you're going into the real world, and and some of these things that you're going to see are you don't know that these things are happening. Uh, you you definitely don't see them from the college campus, um, so it is kind of uh, unsettling at times uh, to see some of these things. Um, you know, I, I'd like. Um, kind of Lynn and, and Julietta to uh, talk about, you know, their experience with uh, the student publication. Uh, and uh, Julietta, I know you've also uh, done work uh, with uh, the COVID Behind Bars or COVID in Custody Project. Uh, so maybe you can talk about some of your other experiences. Yeah, um, me and Lynn, um, we were the editor-in-chief of the Davis Van Gracie Davis that we started or helped start last year. Um, and that was a great opportunity to get students more involved with um, with not only the campus and city, but social justice issues and also expressing their opinion on certain current events that were happening. And yeah, it was... Um, a great experience, um, you know, seeing our writers grow from the beginning and seeing how much their writing improved. Um, that was really cool to see. And I think it was a good reflection of how the Vanguard has grown um, as a publication over the year um, to go from like an internship program to starting its own student publication. And I thought it was important to have that student voice as well. So I think it was a cool opportunity. Um, and as for the COVID um, prisons project, um, I was part of the CDCR group. Um, so I covered the pandemic in California state prisons. And that was a really interesting experience, um, chronicling that from the beginning of the pandemic and seeing all the number of cases grow and the different outbreaks and deaths that came with the mismanagement of CDCR. And I think that was a really important project um, because it really helped humanize um, many of the incarcerated people who were experiencing this outbreak and not being able to voice their concerns. Um, so I felt like this project helped 
give them a voice um, during that situation. And Lynn? Um, yeah, I worked on the Vanguard at UC Davis last year and I'm continuing to work on it this year. Um, last year I was co-editor in chief alongside with Julieta and this year I am um, working with uh, Jordan Barney. Um, but I think that the student publication is really important because it it's news written by students for students, whereas um, the Vanguard and it's, it's written mostly by interns, but also I believe that the student publication, what we publish is more accessible to students and it allows students to know, to read about what's happening in their community, whether it's on campus or um, happening in the city of Davis or other news and social justice that's happening um, in Northern California specifically. So it's a really good opportunity for um, any students who want to write for us or any students who want to read it. Alex, it seems like you've worked on a bunch of special projects. Um, does anything kind of stand out? Um, I'm not sure if these would be considered special projects. More so, I just so happened to stumble across some really interesting cases. Um, I'm not sure if I told you about this. I know I told Michelle, but I know one of them was, um, let me see, who was it? I think it was, oh yeah, it was an influencer who was, I think, being accused of um, fraud or something like that because he was part of, he had a, I guess, charity. And I think he connected it to a um, adoption clinic, right? But a reporter started looking into the adoption clinic and on the address that was listed on his website, there was no mention or any adoption clinic there, right? So she started looking more more into him. Eventually, the guy filed a um, wasn't a harassment report. Um, what was it? A stay away order, a protective order. It was one of those. Basically, you know, you just stay away from me. You can't be anywhere near me. And that was weird because I've never seen one of those cases before, and still, I haven't seen one of those cases. Um, I know another one that uh, stood out was uh, a governor case. Another influencer was trying to run for governor. And, oh, right, 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 right. The problem was on the ballot, he included, I think, an alias or something along those lines. And that's against ballot law or something like that, where you can't have um, an alias on the ballot because it's unfair, right? So if Arnold Schwarzenegger were to, put, were to put Arnold the Terminator Schwarzenegger, that would be illegal because people would vote for him only because of the Terminator and it's a, you know, it's a knowledgeable brand. Um, that was interesting, one, because it's another influencer, and two, it's ballot law for something as big and high profile as a governor election. Um, eventually, the court just ruled against them, like, yeah, you can't put um, your alias or something that you considered a nickname on the ballot. And he said that that kind of ruined uh, his whole, uh, I guess, race. I'm not sure if I could give out the name right here. So I'll just hold that. But it was uh, definitely a couple of the most interesting cases I've seen. Um, I've, I've also been part of um, some uh, wrongful convic conviction cases. Those were really interesting. Um, actually, I 
about to finish with one, about to finish with another one, I think this coming weekend. So yeah, though that's also crazy because there's a lot more of those than I thought. Like the fact that there's that many people that may be wrongfully behind bars is crazy. I'm not gonna say it shook my you know belief in the justice system, but it's definitely changed my viewpoint on it. And and Lynchy, uh, tell us about your experience. You you did quite a few things too. Yeah. Um, so like Alexander, I also took on a wrongful conviction case. Um, I. I uh, collaborated with two other interns in writing an article about uh, Bart McNeil, who was wrongfully convicted for murdering his three-year-old daughter. And um, we got to have in contact with his cousin, who gave us all the court documents, um, the evidence that he investigated him in himself, and also like a lot of the original testimony. Um, we also got to talk to Bart himself as well to give his own insight about the experience and also his time in prison. So that was a very eye-awakening moment for me. And I think that was the longest article that I've written. Um, and I'm very proud of <laughs> the finished product. Um, and I also worked in a project with other interns as well called the SB 1436. 1437 project. Um, and what that was is we just um, looked into the effectiveness of the new California reform felony murder rule uh, to see um, how many um, defendants who have been convicted from the old felony murder rule um, are now successfully petitioning for their release. Um, and so that was really interesting as well, because I got to learn, you know, more about the history of, of felony murder. Um, and also, given the data that we collected, uh, I also saw, you know, like, even with the new law, it just it takes years and a lot of efforts from advocates and legislatures to actually push the courts to, you know, be proactive in making sure these defendants are being released. Um, so yeah. All right, so um, kind of as we uh, close this out, um, maybe uh, each of you uh, tell us what you're gonna remember about this internship when you think back on it in 20 years. Lynchy, why don't you start? Okay. Um, I think, you know, given 20 years, um, what I going to definitely look back to is just, I think in general, giving me a very, um, I think that opportunity to explore social justice and criminal justice very up close, because I think you know, even just as an undergrad, you don't have a lot of opportunities where you can like go out into the real world and see some of the injustices that are happening in our criminal justice system. And in order, and the Vanguard is not just about court watch. Um, we just mentioned that you can involved in a lot of projects. Um, you can 
be involved in like very extended wrongful conviction cases. And just that alone gives you a lot of exposure to what's going on. Um, and I think it gives me a foundation of what I want to do moving forward. Um, it also gives me more confidence that I do want to become an attorney and hopefully, um, you know, continue pursuing social justice. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say that would be my biggest takeaway. Lynn? Um, for me, in 20 years, I'll be 40. Um, and I want to be a journalist. So for me, looking back at the Vanguard in 20 years, I will see it as the, my first opportunity for reporting. Um, and it, the Vanguard has given, me, has given me such a strong foundation that um, it's kind of hard to forget it. Like when she said, it's given me a lot of exposure to real social justice issues that I don't, that I've never um, had the chance to know about before, before um, coming to write for the Vanguard. Cause you know, I get assignments and I read about them and they're really interesting. And so I enjoy reporting about them. And so that's what I think I'm gonna remember the most about it. Julieta? Yeah, um, like Lynn, I think the one thing I always remember the Vanguard for was being my first like real journalism experience. Um, I Before the Vanguard, I wrote um, for the California Aggie as an opinion columnist, but I think the Vanguard was my first real exposure into journalism and I've learned so much um, from writing a really uh, catchy lead to fact-checking certain information. I think this experience has been very valuable and has informed my reporting. And even um, I've learned so much about the legal system and those different sides um, has really helped me be more confident that this is the career that I want to do. So I really appreciate the Vanguard for that. And then Alex. That's really scary saying 20 years from now. And when Lynn said, oh, I'm going to be 40. I'm like, oh, you're right. We're going to be old. Hey, um, wait a second. Wait, wait. No, no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't look a day past 21, David. <laughs> um, but it's a scary thought. You know, I was thinking about all the articles I've written um, and what Julieta, Julieta, right? Right. Um, what she said was right, like how to write a lead and all that. But I think the first thought that came to my head was that the world is a lot bigger and a lot more complicated than I thought it was, right? You have a lot of people who are doing bad things out there, but you also have a lot of people doing good things out there. You have people who, you know, are said to have done bad things, but they haven't, right? And seeing just how much is out there i guess is going to stick with me a long time you know that there's like a murder case every now and then there's a dui case every now and then i'm not sure if i thought those didn't happen as much as i thought before but i guess it just wasn't in my mind as much that yeah they, these things are happening out there and i guess it's i'm making this sound like it's gonna scar me for life it's it's not it's just you know, it's changed my perception on the world, definitely. You know, it's it's interesting listening, uh, especially to them react uh, to 20 years, because I'm kind of at the age where, um, you know, 
looking back 20 years is, doesn't feel very long. Um, you know, I was already in Davis 20 years ago. In fact, um, it was it was barely 20 years ago, um, you know, this month that 9-11 uh, happened, which was uh, for me a big formative event that, you know, will always uh, stand in my mind. And it's mind boggling to me that 20 years has gone on. And then I think, oh, and, you know, uh, Lynn said, oh, I'll be 40 in 20 years. And I'm like, I'll be almost 70 in 20 years. So, um, yeah, um, but I'm not old. Um, no, but, uh, you know, I think um, kind of the cool thing uh, with the pandemic has been that, well, um, I've, I've never actually met either Alex or Lynchy in person. Um, I have met Lynn and, and Julieta. Um, you know, I feel like I've gotten to know them uh, over the last year, year and a half, uh, pretty well. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, I, I don't get to know all the interns uh, that well. In fact, some, you know, I, I, I will admit, you know, they, they asked for a letter of recommendation and I gotta go, okay, uh, let's see when they were here. Um, Cause it, 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 it really does all fly by and, and mix together. I mean, we started this in 2010 and we had like five interns at Roundtable Pizza, which is not even open anymore in, in South Davis. Uh, and we would sit around the table and have pizza and talk about going into the court. And, and to think where we've come in just 11 years time is, is really amazing. Um, and, and these four, you know, former interns are people that I'll definitely remember uh, for a long time. Uh, Alex, for his crazy uh, cases that uh, he, he ran into, you know, uh, Julieta and Lynn for, for their amazing leadership, uh, Lynchy for her amazing job with our social media program, which uh, she didn't really touch on that much. Um, so it, it's just, you know, um, we've gotten just, these opportunities and, and and the other thing I'm really grateful for, and I was looking back on this uh, a, a month or so ago, how many students we've had that have gone on to go to law school. Uh, a lot of them are now lawyers. Um, it's really, you know, cool. Uh, you know, it's like, hey, these people turned out pretty well. Um, and uh, for a lot of them, you know, uh, the Vanguard was a really formative experience. So you know, it, it warms my heart. Uh, so I want to thank you guys uh, for coming on and having this uh, brief conversation. We could probably talk all day uh, about all the things that we've seen in court. I know I could, um, uh, but this has been Everyday Injustice. I'm David Greenwald, the host, and join us again next time for more tales from the injustice system. Thank you to George Powell and Norman Mousequake Barrett for the use of our opening Everyday Injustice. You can see more of George's music at www.justiceforgeorgepowell.com. That's justiceforgeorgepowell, all one word, dot com.